Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. An absolutely beautiful young Minnesota mom is laughing and joking and texting with her sister. And then suddenly she seemingly vanishes off the face of the earth. Where is Madeline? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at GMA. The desperate search to find a missing Minnesota mom of two who disappeared eight days ago. Please help us find Madeline. The children need their mother. Winona police officials say 26-year-old Madeline Maddie Kingsbury's disappearance is suspicious and they are worried for her safety. Our department and our law enforcement partners are working relentlessly to find Maddie. Maddie was last seen the morning of Friday, March 31st. Maddie and the father of their children dropped the children off at daycare shortly after 8 a.m. Maddie did not show up for work, which is very unlike her, and we are worried for her safety. During the course of our investigation, we know that Maddie returned to her residence on Cary Drive in Winona around 8.15 a.m. on March 31st. The vehicle that Maddie normally drives is a 2014 dark blue Chrysler Town & Country minivan. You know, when you don't know where to start or what to do, just imagine, put yourself in the shoes of this beautiful young mom's family. Everything seems fine. And then out of the blue, they realize, we haven't heard from Maddie. Who is Maddie? That's where you start an investigation with your victim. You were just hearing not only our friends at GMA, but also Chief Tom Wilson of the Winona Police Department. But now, take a listen to what we know about who is Maddie. On Mother's Day 2022, Madeline Kingsbury wrote on Facebook, quote, Being a mother has been my greatest adventure. I could have sworn they were little both newborns on my chest yesterday. Happy Mother's Day to all you mamas out there, unquote. Madeline Kingsbury, known to her friends and family as Maddie, is a 26-year-old mother of two, five-year-old daughter Eliana, two-year-old son Noah. For the last three years, she's been working at the Mayo Clinic. According to her LinkedIn profile, Maddie is a clinical research coordinator for public health, infectious disease, and occupational medicine research at Mayo Clinic with a demonstrated history of working in human subjects research. Maddie attained her Bachelor of Science degree in Public Health and Healthcare Administration from Winona State University in 2019, and she was working toward a Master's degree in Public Health from the University of Minnesota School of Public Health. And in the last month, she was also looking for childcare providers with openings for this summer. Safe to say Maddie is a very busy woman. Wow. She didn't just fall off the turnip truck, huh? Guys, I've got a, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now, but I want to go first to a renowned psychiatrist joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. You can find her at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Dr. Angie, 
Did you hear what our friends at CrimeOnline.com just said about Madeline Kingsbury? This woman, she's 26 years old with two children, is already working at the most renowned, uh, one of the most renowned facilities in the world, at the Mayo Clinic. And she is in clinical research. Not only that, she has two children she's raising, and juggling all of that all at the same time. Now, all of that is amazing, but I'm trying to figure out where is Madeline. And the first thing you do when you look at your victim, where would she have been? Well, she apparently goes to work and she comes home to be with her children. Work and home, work and home, completely devoted to her children. And to work at Mayo Clinic, you can't be a slacker. You got to be there on time, bright eyed and bushy tail, ready to go. So this is not a woman that, oh, yeah, she had a drug problem. So maybe she's with her supplier or maybe she's out, you know, peddling dope on the corner or, you know, she's a boozer. Last time I saw her, they were it was the last call at the bar down the street. No risky behavior at all. Could you explain why that's so significant when a woman goes missing? Well, also, Nancy, let's point out that she has future plans. She has future plans to get her MPH, her master's in public health, which is no, which is no easy thing to acquire. Okay. If, if, if the listeners out there don't understand what that means, to get a master's in public health is a very difficult to, degree to get. Okay. Actually, Dr. Angie, I don't. I yeah. mean, I have a master's and my juris doctorate, but I don't know what is a master's in public health. Oftentimes you get that degree if you do want to be in the research field in academics. And it's it's a it's a very I'm just telling you, it's a very difficult degree to get to be admitted to and to acquire. So this woman has some very some very big future plans for herself. She's not a secretary, not that there's anything wrong with being a secretary, but she has a very big job at the Mayo Clinic, which she is planning to extend. She's planning to make her job bigger at the Mayo Clinic. So no, this is not a person, you don't play around in academics. You don't not show up for work. There are a lot of people depending on her. People depend on her to get their grants in at the proper time and things like that. So I'm sure she had a schedule that she kept. I'm sure that she was, you know, she drops her kids off. She goes to work. She's a working mom. She's a working mom with a very big job. And people, and a lot of people depend on her in that job that she's doing. Hold on. You just said something really, really important. And I'm going to follow it with Julie Gates. John Lorton joining me from CBS there in Minnesota, WCC. I'm getting right to you. And also with us, a special guest. Megan Kingsbury, this is Madeline's sister. Hold on just a second. I want to follow up with something Dr. Angie just said regarding her schedule. Hold on, let me make a note of exactly what I wanted to say. Um, But Dr. Angie, I agree with you about being a secretary. You know, my mom started off as a secretary and uh, at a pulp and paper company. She went on to run the payroll and then turn into the CFO of a Fortune 500 company, one of their plants. So, you know, I wouldn't snivel at being a 
secretary. That said, I agree with everything else that you just said. Julie Gates, major law enforcement crime scene investigator, forensic science program coordinator and instructor at the Southern Crescent Technical College. And joining her today is her entire class of, I guess, criminal procedure students. Julie, thank you for being with us. Did you hear what Dr. Angela Arnold said? Everything she said was correct, but I'm especially hinged on what she said regarding Madeline Kingsbury's schedule. So this is a woman uh, that runs research or part of it at the Mayo Clinic. She's raising two children. She's in the middle of working on her master's degree. Julie, I don't know if this is the right way or the wrong way to live, if there is such a thing, but I actually have to divide my day starting at 5 a.m. into 15-minute increments until I pick up my twins from school and everything's off. But a lot of that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but to a high achiever like this woman, Madeline Kingsbury, I bet she had segmented times of the day. This is when I get up. This is when I make the breakfast for the children. This is when I wake them up. This is when I feed the cat and the dog and the guinea pigs. This is when I give them their breakfast. This is what time we leave for drop-off. This is what time I get home. This is what time I go to work. And then on and on until she picks them up from school. Significance, Julie Gates. We know where to find her. Because she must be a very highly regimented person to do everything she's doing. Well, it um, seems like she's very detailed and schedule-oriented. So I do agree that, um, yeah, she's probably on a schedule that, you know, she takes her kids to school this time. And, you know, um, everyone's depending on her. Um, so, yeah, she does have a schedule I would and a regime that she would follow daily. Okay, Julie Gates, you are an incredible forensic investigators, investigator. I don't need an echo chamber. I just said that. I want you to tell me how that translates into finding a missing woman. We know her schedule. She's highly regimented. It's not like she's just wandering around walking circles at the mall all day. No, but it goes to victimology. We'll have to look at her victimology, you know, what, um, who she's with, um, what she doing during the day, um, you know, and that schedule does help that. Man, you're not kidding. It kind of, uh, it's not a needle in a haystack. You kind of know where to start. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Who is this woman and how at one moment was she laughing and talking and joking, sending funny pictures back and forth to her sister? And then the next thing, the sister says, Mom, have you heard from Maddie? And joining me right now is that sister, Megan Kingsbury. And you can find her on Facebook, Finding Madeline Kingsbury and GoFundMe, GoFundMe, uh, the search for Maddie. And there they spell it M-A-D-D-I, not Madeline. Megan Kingsbury, first of all, I want to tell you how much my heart's going out to you. I have one sister and she lives far away. And when I don't hear from her, say in a week, I get worried. And I cannot, she's the closest thing to me. And I'm sorry what you're going through, Megan. We all are. Thank you. Yeah, she's she's my best friend. Gosh, I hardly know where to start. But you know what? Let's hear Megan in her own words describing her sister. Listen. Madeline is a hardworking and um, dedicated mother as well as a grad student at the U of M and works for the Mayo Clinic. Family is everything to her. She's grown into an impressive and beautiful young woman. Madeline is uh, many things. She's a mother, sister, daughter, best friend, granddaughter, and a niece. It's a long list. She's a young mother of two, five-year-old Eliana, two-year-old Noah. Ellie is spunky and goofy. She loves to be crafty and creative. She's inherited her mother's kindness and curiosity about the world. Little Noah has turned into a chatterbox. Can't tell what he says half the time. He loves to dance, he loves rock and roll, and um, he was blessed with the redheaded gene for my grandfather. Megan, first of all, tell me about your sister's children, her two babies. Uh, I believe they are, I guess they're in preschool, right? Yeah, um, Ellie attended a Montessori preschool in Winona, and then... um, Noah went to an in-home daycare in Winona as well. Tell me about her relationship with her children. They were the light of her life, um, constantly with them, constantly, you know, trying to discover new things um, to teach them. Um, She really encouraged them to be their own little people. Um, She was very much a yes mom, um, you know, wanted, wanted them to experience everything. You know, just thinking about them, one is two and one is five. How are they reacting to mommy not being there every single day? You know, um, fortunately, they're very young. Um, so especially Noah, you know, he's only two. Um, as, as far as them, you know, asking about her, once in a while, but um, they're they're doing really well um, um, right now. So um, 
as as far as we can tell, they haven't, you know, really noticed any any big difference. They must be surrounded by a lot of love right now. Yes. Uh, and not even realize that anything is out of the norm. Guys, listen to more. Since her first child was born, which is five years ago now, um, you know, I, I talked to her multiple times on a daily basis, um, FaceTime, phone, text, um, even the rest of my family. She's just in, co- in constant communication with us about every minute detail. Um, so it's, it's very unlike her. The last communication that I had with her was the morning of Friday, March 31st. Um, she had sent me a text at about 8.15 in the morning. Um, you know, regular text for her. We were chuckling about a funny photo exchanged between us. Um, and that that was the last communication with me or with any of um, my family or her other friends. You're hearing Madeline's sister, Megan, speaking to our friends at Fox and Friends. Megan, so you guys were exchanging texts early that morning, as early as 8.15? Yeah, you know, we both start early in the morning. Um, I personally, I start work at 7 a.m., So, we're, and she's up with the kids. Um, so, yeah, pretty much every morning, it's pretty pretty early contact with us. Let me understand her schedule, Megan. With me is Megan Kingsbury. This is Madeline's sister, very, very close relationship. You just heard her say they texted or talked every day. Megan, in the morning, so she would get up. Would she always drop the children, one at the home daycare and one at the Montessori? Um, Ellie went to the Montessori, gosh, I think maybe two or three days a week. Um, the other days she went to the same in-home daycare as Noah. And Madeline would be the one to drop them off? Yeah. Um, sometimes I think their their father joined as well. I yeah. wasn't quite clear on how often, but she definitely would always be there. So it's always her. Now, who would pick them up? Um, I think typically it would be her or um, both parents. Um, I think it kind of depended on her schedule. But almost always her and maybe yeah. the dad would also come. Yes. Okay. The day that she went missing, who picked them up? Their father. Okay. So that was covered. Mm-hmm. I was just imagining a nightmare of the children like standing outside for pickup and nobody being oh. there. Of course, Noah's too young to do that. Guys, we're trying to figure out what happened now, you exchanged a text with her early that morning at Megan, 8.15. Did you hear from her after that? I did not. Was that normal? No. I mean, even if she can't talk or she's busy, she'll send a message saying so. Hey, I'm busy. I'll talk to you later. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't get anything else. And that was March 31, correct? Yes. Okay. March 31, she goes missing. Last seen that morning, 8.15. Last heard from that morning at 8.15. Joining me right now is investigative reporter out of Minnesota CBS, WCCO-TV, John Lortzen. John, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. Tell me about the area. Is this rural, suburban? Well, Winona is home to Winona State. It's a decent-sized town as far as Minnesota goes. This is in the southeastern portion of the state. Now, wait a minute. Where is that as a relationship? to the Tri-Cities. Are you talking about Minneapolis-St. Paul? This is a couple hours, about two and a half hours southeast of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Okay. Right across the border from Wisconsin is where Winona is located. So you had a lot of 
researchers and volunteers coming from western Wisconsin as well to help uh, look for Madeline. Is part of Winona in Wisconsin? Uh, it is not. No, it's right across the border, literally right across the border. Got it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the, the terrain you're asking about is is really mixed, and it's a beautiful part of the state, really. There's bluff country down there. I don't like that. I don't like anything you just said. You know why? Yeah. When I hear the words, John Lortzen, beautiful terrain, you know what that translates to me? Hard to find. Uh, densely wooded forests, uh, mountainous dirt roads, uh, very low traversed areas. Is that what you're saying about beautiful? Because that's really hard to find somebody. In some parts it is. Yeah, it's it's kind of an eclectic blend of terrain because we, on Friday when we were there and on Saturday as well, it, it, there's a lot of farm fields that they were walking through as well. And, you know, there are teams of 12, a dozen or so volunteers that were showing up from all over the area very coordinated on Friday and then again on Saturday, walking through farm fields. But yes, the chief from Winona Police did talk about that. He said that the terrain is a mix. And definitely, as you mentioned, Nancy, the bluff area, he talked about that being a challenge. The hills, uh, yeah, the steep terrain in some cases, and, and, and he did highlight that, is is a challenge. John Lortzen, uh, WCCO, joining us. Thank you again for making time for us uh What's the population? Isn't it under 50,000? Yeah, I believe it is. And where a lot of this search has been coordinated, there's a couple little towns involved. Goodview, Minnesota is right next to Winona. That was a headquarters last week as well, late last week for a lot of volunteers to show up. There's a little town called Rushford, which isn't too far away. I believe it's about 20 miles west where they were also searching. Uh, I had a coordinated search there as well. And I, I want to say last week, and you were... It was nearly 3,000 people that showed up to help. That was Easter weekend. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've covered a few of these, sadly, over the years, but uh, this is one of the, the larger coordinated efforts in talking with people that didn't know Madeline, but still coming out because they're a parent or they knew somebody who knew her or they were a friend of hers, whatever it might be. You have people from all over, as I mentioned, western Wisconsin, southeastern Minnesota, uh, it, it, it felt like there were busload upon busload that Friday morning and then again in the afternoon and then again on Saturday. So it was impressive to see that. Tracy Campbell joining us, Public Relations Director at North Star International Search and Recovery. Tracy, thank you for being with us. I know that that strikes fear in your heart when you hear about this terrain and a low population. Now, low population in, in one way means that it reduces the number of uh, potential suspects, if any, involved in Madeline's disappearance. But that terrain, if she went for a hike, if she went for a walk, that's going to be very difficult to find her. What would you be doing right now, Tracy Campbell? Well, I, I saw the fields that they were um, searching and a line search. Depending on the terrain, um, you know, we have, I don't know what their resources are. First of all, tell everybody, what is a line search that you just said? How they're walking straight in a line. So typically, um, first of all, they have 3,000 people respond, volunteers. That can be a, that, that's wonderful, but it also can be very stressful because a search and recovery team, they've got experience. They've been through classes. They know what to look for, clues. Um you don't always know what a civilian will. So typically you would take a team leader, somebody that's from the search team, and maybe pair them up with 12 or so civilian searchers 
and that would be your line. Um, that way, if they had any questions, if they saw something but they weren't sure whether it was relevant, they could ask somebody on a search and rescue team. Exactly. And, you know, Megan Kingsbury, uh, joining us is Megan Kingsbury, Madeline's sister. When you, What goes through your mind when you're hearing us talking about searching this terrain? You know, I've... I've been out searching myself um, in some more kind of remote areas, um, wildlife preserves, um, things like that. I, you know, I've, I've been down to visit. I've seen the difficulty in the terrain and just I kind of look around and I'm like, well, she could be anywhere. And it's, it's hard to know where to start. Um, and a lot of people just aren't able to search that terrain effectively. So um, it. It definitely worries me every day. When you go to bed at night, what are your thoughts about where is your sister? Uh, just last night, I, I was outside and I looked up um, at the sky and I'm just wondering, is she out there somewhere under the same sky? Like, where where could she be? Um, it's a million things run through my mind every night. And, um, you know, you want to hold on to a chance of hope that, you know, she's found okay. Um, it's difficult the longer that um, that this goes on. To John Lortzen joining us, CBS Minnesota WCCO, was there any history of just, quote, taking a break or needing time to herself? Anything like that? Because I haven't found it. No, not that we're aware of. Uh, I'm sure Megan and the family would be able to speak to that. Megan, is there any such history? There is not. Yeah, I mean, Kathleen Murphy joining me right now, uh, courtroom veteran out of North Carolina, family lawyer. She's at ncdomesticlaw.com. Kathleen Murphy, it would be a cold day in H-E-L-L that I took time for myself and left my children. That's not happening. That's not happening, Nancy. No, that's not happening. This mom uh, didn't go away for the weekend, didn't uh, need me time. There was no like spa time and those mud baths and massages and hot stones on your back and all that. No. That. No. She worked and she took care of her children. That was her life. And so that makes should make it easiest for her us to find her. That's young babies. You're going to be in those hot spots. You're going to be at the daycare. You're going to be at the grocery store. You're going to be at the house. They're going to nap. You're going to be in the same places over and over again. As a mother of four, you're a mother of twins. You know the routine. Her family knows the routine. It's not rocket science at this point. Guys, um, you're hearing the voice of Kathleen Murphy, who has worked with us on many, many missing persons cases. But guys, I want you to hear more of what we know about Madeline. Listen. There was some concern the evening of Friday, March 31st. Um, My mom actually sent me a message asking if I had heard from my sister um, that day because my, my mom had sent some messages that had no response. And when she said that, I was kind of like, oh, yes, I guess you're right. Um, she was supposed to come visit my house the next morning with her daughter. And uh, typically, you know, we would have discussed those plans um, since it was 
coming up. So it was that evening and we started kind of connecting with her friends and seeing if anyone had heard from her. Megan Kingsbury is Madeline's sister joining us, shedding light into the search for her sister. Megan, how far away from Madeline do you live? Um, I live in the Minneapolis area, so it's about two hours from her home in Winona. So to, to plan a trip, this isn't like she's just going around the corner. This is something she'd have to get the children ready in the car, snacks, all that, and then drive two hours to see you and your family, correct? Right. So that was a plan. Interesting. And no history at all of just leaving to go for a girls weekend or time alone. Nothing like that, right? Right. I mean, if she needed a break, she'd come to my house, but she'd still bring the kids. And, um, you know, we kind of tag team and watch them. But no, she never would, would leave them. So that evening, your mother notices she hasn't heard from your sister. And back to Kathleen Murphy joining us, um, high profile lawyer out of North Carolina. Kathleen, that's routine evidence. And I don't mean standard typical humdrum routine. I mean, evidence of someone's routine. And I'm stressing that again for like the third time because it's very important. By that evening, when sister and mother have not heard from her, they know something's up, much less she didn't go to work that day and she didn't pick the children up. And creating those timelines are going to be so important to investigators, Nancy. The timeline from that family is going to be key in placing the location of Maddie and anybody else that could be associated with her disappearance. What do you mean by that? So, for example, if Maddie is going into work and that's her routine, immediately after dropping the children off, why did she go home? Why did she go home and why was it 10 o'clock when her husband or the father of her children took that vehicle? Those are questions that have to be answered. You're absolutely correct. And as a matter of fact, take a listen to our friend, Jacqueline Lee. According to police, Maddie was last seen at home last Friday at approximately 8.15 in the morning after dropping her two children off with their father at daycare. The father told police he left Maddie's house at about 10 a.m. in her dark blue Chrysler minivan. When he returned later that day, he says she was not home. A minivan resembling hers was seen that same morning driving along a nearby county road between 10.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. Investigators have searched the minivan and Maddie's home. Inside the house, they found her phone and her wallet. I just was trying not to panic. Maddie's sister Megan last texted her that morning, and everything seemed fine. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
take a listen to our friend Jacqueline Lee. According to police, Maddie was last seen at home last Friday at approximately 8.15 in the morning after dropping her two children off with their father at daycare. The father told police he left Maddie's house at about 10 a.m. in her dark blue Chrysler minivan. When he returned later that day, he says she was not home. A minivan resembling hers was seen that same morning driving along a nearby county road between 10.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. Investigators have searched the minivan and Maddie's home. Inside the house, they found her phone and her wallet. I just was trying not to panic. Maddie's sister Megan last texted her that morning and everything seemed fine. Okay, uh, let's go straight back out to our investigative reporter, John Lortz, and joining us, WCCO-TV there in Minnesota. Let me understand what I just heard from our friends at GMA, Jacqueline Lee. Now, that morning, 8.15, that's when she's texting with her sister, Megan. She and the bio dad dropped the children at daycare. Correct. He tells cops he left Maddie's house about 10 a.m. for some reason in her minivan. Okay, let me understand. That was when the decision was made that she not go to work because that's when she would go to work. I understand between eight, you know, after she drops the children. But no, did he bring her back to the house? Is that what he's saying? That's what we understand. Through law enforcement, that's what he told them. Then he takes the Chrysler and then when he comes back with it, I don't know what to fill it with gas. I'm not sure. He gets back at 10 a.m. and she's not there. Is that correct? He he claimed he left and came back, I believe, in the afternoon, and she was not there. Now law enforcement is telling us there's no evidence she was picked up by anybody else, or that she might have just left the home and walked somewhere. Uh, and that's according to the Winona Police Chief. Well, is that the terrain, Megan Kingsbury? Would she just leave and walk somewhere? No, I mean where her house is kind of situated she's not really within walking distance of you know like a target or anything does she walk jog or bike anything like that you know she used to jog um i think it's been a while um but she did used to jog in the past but not recently no i don't believe so so i'm just trying to figure out we were covering the case of eliza fletcher a memphis mom who was out like four o'clock in the morning jogging that was her routine you know and a Mm -hmm. lot of terrains like you go out on the street it's like i-75 you can't walk or jog or bike there or it could be a country road like molly tibbetts where she would run every day so is the terrain near her? Did she have a home, apartment, condo, what? Um, they lived in a townhome. It was kind of one of those divided in half ones, so they had a connected neighbor. Okay, and uh, the bio dad's living in the home, correct? Yes. Okay, so he leaves with the car. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Lordson. Uh, I had that 10.30 a.m. in my head that he came back, but her vehicle was sighted between 10.30 and 1.30 p.m. That's where I'm getting 10.30. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Who sighted her vehicle? That was spotted around town. I believe there there was more than one witness to that. And now what law enforcement was trying to get people to do, and we've been down there, is have people check. It's, It's called the Highway 43 corridor. That's where that van has been spotted or was spotted around that time. Are you sure? It's a a dark blue minivan Chrysler. What is it? A Chrysler Pacifica? Town and country. Oh, right. Town and country. Multiple sightings of her van around town, but did anybody see who was driving it? Not that we have been told yet. And what what they're asking people to do is, you know, we've talked about the terrain quite a bit and just that area. It can get rural pretty quick. So they're asking people to look at their doorbell cameras, see if they can see who is driving, see if the van went by their home 
trail cameras. There's a lot of, uh, you know, wooded areas as we talked about out there. People have trail cameras set up. Did your trail camera catch this van on a roadway uh, when you're kind of having it going down a path looking for wildlife? Was there a road behind there where you saw the van going through? What time was it? Uh, can you see who was driving? What about cameras in town? You said Highway 43 corridor, and you, when you said around town, what town? Winona? Yes, correct. Aren't there red light cams and business cams? Business cameras, surveillance cameras, security cameras, whatever you got, law enforcement that wants to know about it. Well, aren't they getting it? Aren't they confiscating it from from b- businesses and red lights before it? Does nobody remember Chandra Levy? Yeah. And her apartment complex before she went out and was attacked and murdered. Every 72 hours, they roll over the tape and it starts over. You got to get it immediately before it starts rolling over. And they might have some already. They just have not disclosed. I think Megan talked about that earlier. You know, the investigation, they're being, they're keeping it very close to their vest. But yeah, they're definitely asking for anybody else that had maybe something out there that wasn't so obvious. The businesses are one thing and, and the homes near there is another. But in some of this, these rural areas around that, you know, line and around that uh, vicinity, if they had a trail camera, if they had a doorbell camera, if they had a security camera, did you see this van go by? Can you tell who was driving? And uh, they want that. But John Lorison, you're telling me people in the town of Winona think they saw not just a blue town and country, her blue town and country. Is that what they think? That was, That's what law enforcement has told us. They believe that van more than one person saw the van driving in that time frame we talked about. What was distinct about her van? Megan, what, if anything, is distinct? John, anybody jump in and tell me. Well, and the fact that it was a town and country Chrysler van, and I, honestly, Nancy, I don't know how popular those are in Winona, Minnesota, but that's in that time frame, that van was spotted. Uh, and that's an excellent question. Is that van, do we know if that was hers for sure? I'm guessing... But law enforcement says it is. Megan Kingsbury, what about it? What about her van? You know, um, they have the law enforcement has some footage from a gas station in Rushford, Minnesota. I believe it was a quick trip of the van um, coming and going. Um, so I know for sure they've they've seen it in Rushford. Um, other than that, I, I haven't heard if there's been any other footage. I know they're looking at semi trucks. Um, those have cameras kind of all around. Um, they're they're really trying any avenue to see if they can get footage. Where is Rushford as it relates to Winona? Oh, it's gosh. very close. Yeah, twenty yeah, miles. Um, twenty miles. Last, yeah. I would say. Megan. And what yeah. time of the day yeah. was her van spotted in Rushford? Ah, uh, I want to say probably between like ten thirty and eleven ish. Yeah, I believe I believe you're right on that, Meg. I think it was in the morning still before the noon hour yeah. that that was spotted. But what time does BioDead say he brought the car back? Um, I believe that he said he returned home uh, around 1 p.m. So that could have been him driving around. That doesn't really help us, does it? Yeah. Okay. Where Where is the vehicle right now, John Lawrenson? Law enforcement has searched that vehicle. I do not know if they gave that back the family. Do you know, Megan? Um, I believe law enforcement still has the vehicle. Still has the vehicle. Okay. To Julie Gage joining us, uh, crime scene investigator and instructor. Julie, what do you make of this regarding 
them still having the vehicle? Um, I would hope they still had the vehicle in their possession because that is the, one of the key pieces of evidence, I would say, right now. To Tracy Campbell joining us with North Star International Search and Recovery, I believe that the vehicle, especially in light of the fact that law enforcement is still holding on to it, must have some sort of forensic evidence in it. I agree. Okay, Kathleen Murphy, what do we do now? Well, I think we take an inventory of what's in there. I also, Nancy, have a question about whether or not a search warrant has been effectuated for the home that they were living in. And another question that we have is whether or not Madeline was looking for another place to live. I saw on her Facebook page that she had posted that she was looking for a new place to live in April or May. To Megan Kingsbury, your sister posted that. Is that correct, that she was looking for a new place to live? Yes, that's correct. Why? Her and the father of the children were not continuing their relationships. They were splitting? Yes. Um, so she, she was looking for a new place close to where she already lived, close to the daycare, close to the preschool. I know she was looking over in Goodview, which is the next town over. Um, so, so yeah, she, she was looking for a new place. Nancy, if I could jump in for just a moment. This is John Lemley in the Crime Online Newsroom. We're now learning that a special prosecutor has been hired by Winona County Law Enforcement to assist in the search for Madeline Kingsbury. Madeline's sister has revealed that Philip Prokopovich is currently collaborating with law enforcement about Madeline's disappearance, and he'll help if charges are brought against anyone. Prokopovich served as Dakota County's previous chief deputy county attorney. Guys, the family of Madeline Kingsbury has now issued a $50,000 reward, $50,000 reward, tip line 507-457-6288, repeat, 507-457-6288, please help us find Madeline, goodbye friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.